right, glad you're with us. Thank you, Scott Shannon. Toll free, it's 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. You cannot believe the mishmash that is Joe Biden. Uh, day, what, 75 now of him hiding in his basement with only a 10-minute reprieve. Uh, and another disastrous, yeah, I, I mean, what do you want to call it, a performance? Uh, obviously, no fastball, no curveball, nothing. We'll get to that in the course of the show. We got a lot of uh, updates with the deep state today. Uh, news we made, nobody paid attention to. Apparently, unmasking at a spectacular level now has become part of John Durham's investigation. They have also appointed another federal prosecutor. The DOJ is also going to be weighing in with this three-judge panel as it relates to Judge Emmett Sullivan's, you know, unbelievable, uh, in my view, misconduct in this particular case by not dropping the case and then literally inviting every group in the world that has a political agenda to, to weigh into this. So we'll hit that today as well. Um, there are a lot of things angering me today. One, the, the most, the more I see this interview, uh, this, this video rather, of what happened in Minneapolis with George Floyd, I get, I am now, I, I'm almost borderline apoplectic about it. I just, it, it infuriates me for a lot of different reasons. Now, I'm going to be consistent because I always am. And that is, okay, we don't rush to judgment. We believe in due process. process. We believe in the presumption of innocence. But with that said, our eyes show us so much wrong here. It makes my blood boil. Number one, we saw no evidence whatsoever of George Floyd resisting in any way. And let me lay as a foundation. We're talking about the, the crime they're looking into here is about a, a possible counterfeit $20 bill. That, that Just some context to this here. Now, do I think crime should be punished? Yes. Arrest made? Yes. Phone calls made to the cops? Okay. Um, Dan Bongino said it best on TV last night. Once you have somebody that is not resisting in handcuffs, it's over. The fight is over. That's number one. I have spoken a lot about my seven years now in a row training mixed martial arts. It's an eclectic blend of arts. It is Krav Maga, Kempo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, boxing, situational street fighting. We do blades, sticks, firearms, a lot of training. A lot of training, a lot of what happens if this happens, if that happens. And, you know, I don't really, I'm not into like posting everything that I do on social media because I don't think people give a rip anyway. And I think a lot of it is based in vanity. But I, I do it for two reasons. Number one, it's a hard workout, great workout. I like to be able to defend myself and have an, an alternative. When you train, and as I have gotten deeper and deeper into the arts, it didn't take long to figure out there are certain very specific strike areas if your life is being threatened. The most vulnerable part of a human being is their neck. It's just a fact. It's well known. And so we don't see George Floyd resisting arrest. Then we are watching as the minutes tick by the police officer in this case. And again, I, I don't even see that 
anybody, I've not heard anybody say anything contrary. Even my all my law enforcement friends, Bernie Carrick last night, Dan Bongino last night, so many others contacting me. They cannot believe what they witnessed here. Because what you have is the officer taking his knee. And if you watch, as, as we pointed out last night, the, the right foot of the officer, all the weight is on that left knee. Right into the neck of Mr. Floyd, which is, and his head into the pavement. Now, it went on, we never got the exact time. It's somewhere, but it went on at least six minutes. Maybe as high as eight. I keep reading conflicting reports. We weren't even able to totally confirm that. And his arms are behind his back. And he keeps saying over and over again as that there's a huge amount of pressure on this man's neck. When he was saying he can't breathe, he couldn't breathe. I, and I can tell you, I actually trained this morning and... I had long discussions with my sensei, this sensei Glenn. He's been on the program before, great guy. And, you know, there are targeted strikes. For example, if somebody has any knowledge of martial arts, a lot of, you know, how, how you defend yourself. I'll, I'll walk away. You can call me any name in the book. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to walk away backwards looking at you until and defuse any situation because I don't want to use what I've learned. Because it's that dangerous and you have to be you have to be careful. But if you take one strike, targeted strike to the carotid and you can go online and Google it, there's videos out there of this happening. If you do it, then you'll see a person literally, if it's a good strike, they're going to drop to their knees. They're going to drop right down. I was watching one of the videos this morning. Not only did the guy, it was a really well trained artist the strike was perfect it was one strike fight was over the guy literally nailed his carotid the guy went down when the guy got up to try and start walking again fell down again then fell down a third time because what it does is for that brief second of that brief second now of that strike it cuts off all the blood circulation going to one's brain there are trach holds that are banned by pretty much every police department. You have choke holds that are banned now by most police departments because they recognize the severity of that, that kind of treatment. Um, it is, it is such a, it is such an egregious error in judgment. And what, what's flabbergasting to me is it was full on to me. My, and again, my eyes aren't deceiving me. This is a human being. He's down there. So I can't breathe. If you know anything, I, I can't believe that this officer did not understand the severity of this because it was full on hardcore pressure and literally pinning this guy's head to the pavement. I, in, in all honesty, if you, for example, if I did, a, say, an arm drag into a chokehold and I got my arm in solid around your neck and I applied pressure, as I've been trained to do, and that pressure would go on carotid arteries on both sides, you would pass out in 15 seconds. Now, I did it today with my sensei. I haven't been feeling good all day as a result. Uh, I said, all right, put, put me in a hold. I think I made nine seconds, and I tapped out. 
because I was going to pass out. Nine seconds. 15 seconds, maybe 20. If you really have a tight hold, it's you're done. And in that sense, and, and then I have, I'm watching this. What the hell are they doing? And the other cops are there, and this is inexplicable to me. They're just standing there. And this goes on and on and on and for six solid minutes. The guy's be- he's not resisting, begging to get up. When you have an apprehension, Dan Bongino's right. Guy's not resisting. Got him cuffed. You put him in the back of the car. You know, you sort it out at the station in the terms of, okay, you're being charged with this. He's probably going to get a citation and walk out. I, I mean, it's unbelievable to me. And it's very frustrating from the standpoint is it's sort of like, uh, you know, the shock of when Joe DeGeneva said on TV one night, you know, about Comey and, and others, they're dirty cops. I flinched I'm like because my mom was a prison guard. My, my mom, my, my, you know, she's kind of a, you know, short woman, you know, elderly, you know, she's in a prison all day. And yet, so at times you have to deal with prisoners, but they have very specific techniques. You've got to protect people as well. And in this case, this is a, there was never one second of need for this. Six minutes, it then becomes I, I, there's no surprise if you understand anything about the sensitivity of the neck, why this guy died. And if that cop maybe somehow lost perspective in the moment, somebody else should have stepped in and said, get him in the car. Now, get your foot off his neck. He's not doing anything. And it frustrates me because then the, you know, then we have the, the predictable all cops are bad. They're not bad people. The 99% of them. But there's 1% that would use force such as this. They give every cop a bad name. And and we have to be careful that we, we don't rush to judgment and think all cops are this way. Most cops, you know, look, being a cop's not an easy job. There's never going to be an arrest usually where a cop is using any type of force and putting you in handcuffs. And if somebody's resisting, it's going to look that much worse. But cops don't know when they pull people over if they have a gun. Cops don't know if you have drugs in the car. You, know, it's a, you don't know at any given moment. You really, really, really need to be in charge and safe. And you have to balance all of this. And if once, but the, but the rule is the rule. Once a person is in your control and not resisting, it's over. And the fact that this was allowed to go on and the fact that it happened in the first place, there's, I see no rationale whatsoever that I could manufacture as somebody that always wants to give people the benefit of the doubt. Because sometimes there's circumstances you don't know. I don't believe in trial by videotape. I believe these guys have a right to a fair trial. I, 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 the tape to me, though, is devastating. And I watch it and I get angrier. Every time I do, because listen, if, if, if you, for example, if you do a poke of somebody's trach, if you, if you're trained, you take, you know, where your trach is, you feel just below your Adam's apple. There's like this little space there. You go in, you hit that, just, just poke at it and you target it and you hit it. They're going to go down. 
if you put your somebody in a choke hold, a trach hold, the, uh, the odds of death are high. You know, you're going to hurt that person. Um, there might be situations people need to use that, but that's not your first option. That's one of your last options. And, you know, Sean, it's something that we were talking about a little bit before, which is that, you know, the whole situation here, it, it, everyone who's seen the tape is just as outraged. You know, this should be a everybody. moment of being of solidarity of everybody saying this was wrong, but this is not every cop. And we need to focus on the fact that this guy was turning his life around and it was taken wrong. Yeah, apparently he's becoming a, a, very, a very Christian man, turning his life around. But others are using hard. it for divisiveness, and that's not okay. That's not what this is about. Well, and I, I mean, thought there's the a whole other component there. to this. You're right. I mean, you know, what did we watch, too? We watched, okay, a Target store looted, a liquor store looted, fires, auto zone. Uh, the police chief, uh, Aaron Nando, you know, he's saying that they didn't have a police presence because they didn't they, they didn't feel that they could handle it. Well, we got to get them the help to handle it. Al Sharpton is now headed there. It is so sad to me that life is precious. You know, the president, when he says we're one glorious nation under God, we're one united American family. He's right. We are. And I, as a Christian I don't talk a lot about my faith. I don't think people want me to proselytize. But as a Christian, we all are created in God's image. All of us are created. in That's a life with that knee on the neck. And that life is now gone. And it didn't have to happen. It's sad. It, and words cannot describe how I feel today. I'm so angry from a lot of different angles. You know, I know we're going to say, I pray for this guy's family. I, you know, the sister actually came out and she said, literally, they murdered my brother. And the family saw it. But the girlfriend came out and said, but the looters and the rioters do not speak for him. He would not want this. It's not okay. The brother, I think, said that, you know, he wants the death penalty. Um, I just, it's so unfortunate. Look, I believe in peaceful protesting. Don't go looting stores, putting stores on fire. We, we have enough trouble with the economy, jobs lost, and it's, it won't do any good. And the people that are the leaders, you've got to be leaders now. Protest all you want. You know, right, you have a right and a, a righteous anger here. But that part of it has to not happen for everybody's sake. We do have some other aspects of this that we're going to get into as it relates to George Floyd. Um... And he was unemployed due to coronavirus. He moved to Minneapolis, wanted a fresh start in his life. According to all the accounts that I've read, and we'll find out soon, he was he was hoping for a new life. And he has a lot of lifelong friends and uh, lost his job at, as, at a bounce, as a bouncer uh, with the stay-at-home order there. And, uh, you know, this was about passing a counterfeit $20 bill. Um. These are, these are simple fundamentals. If you're going to be in law enforcement, the fundamental is easy. Once somebody's in custody, once they're not resisting, that's it. It's over. It's, that is the end of it. The, the amount of pressure on the neck, I, I, knowing what I know, I am telling you, it is like, it is the single dumbest unnecessary thing I've ever seen. It breaks my heart to see this. 
right, 25 now to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. I'm, I'm also angry about a lot of issues involving corona. Uh, it, it's frustrating beyond words. Um, so this goes on. What was the total time? I've seen it written up every way and sideways and no definitive time. Do, I see six minutes. I see up to eight minutes. What was the total time? Linda, do you know? It was nine minutes. No, all right. It was nine minutes. With it the was nine minutes. Neck. Yes, sir. Ugh. Nobody can survive that. That's a death sentence. This is, and this is hard to listen to. And we played it a lot last night. And I, again, the more I, I look at this, the angrier I get. I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm so wrapped up in, in a lot of the other coverage. I didn't see it till late. Um, yesterday and i looked at it and i said you got to be kidding me and then i kept looking at it and looking at it here is george floyd if you have kids in the car you may want to lower the volume here's him screaming i can't breathe please please i can't breathe please man please now i'm just telling you as somebody that is a real he couldn't breathe he wasn't resisting that is a death sentence right there it is so frustrating um we, we mentioned that what he had done after coronavirus, he moved from Houston into Minneapolis. He wanted to get a, a fresh start in his life. By all accounts, all the people, you know, he had lost his job uh, when the Minnesota governor issued a stay-at-home order. And, you know, it was an employee at a grocery store, called the police after he allegedly tried to pass a counterfeit $20 bill. I mean, it must have been on the surface. I don't recall ever. If you have ever given somebody 100 they usually take out this marker and do you know? I mean, maybe it was just such a bad counterfeit. I don't know. I don't. It does it, It's twenty dollars. That's another thing. Where is the context in in things here? Um, then we got the other video, which showed that even when they were walking him before the choking incident happened here, the knee on the neck incident happened. He was not resisting arrest in any way, shape, manner, or form. He wasn't. Missy is in West Virginia. Missy, you're on the Sean Hannity show. Sean, thanks for taking my call. I wanted to make a couple of points if you'll let me. First off, I was a cop for 20 years. Watching that video on your show last night, I had to turn my back and listen to you because it disturbed me. A couple of things that really bother me is if this was over a counterfeit bill, the jurisdiction that I worked for, we couldn't arrest somebody for a counterfeit bill. We would take the evidence, take their name, and call the feds. The feds handled counterfeit bills. We didn't have the right to arrest somebody for that. That's the first problem. Number two... We well, I, I, I would think that if you're passing phony bills, that that look, that's obviously a crime. And in a way, you're stealing from the merchant that you're handing it to and it, and it's fraud, et cetera. I, w- I would think you would have the right to do that. I don't even think that's an issue here. The police were called if he if he broke the law. We don't even know if that part is true yet. Again, I want everybody presumed innocent. I, but I just I can't get through. I can't get past this tape, Missy. I can't. Right. The, the second point that I wanted to make, if you'd let me, is I would like people to take a step back because this did not happen because of race. 
that is a key component in it. That's a hot spot for people. But when this goes to court for 20 years of testifying in court, race has never been brought up in any court testimony that I've ever taken place in. I know that's hard for people to handle because he is a black man. He did have his throat stepped on by a white man. But please take a second and look at step back from it for a second. This did not happen because he's a black man. This happened because of a poor choice by one or maybe the three other officers that were standing there. We don't know because, again, we don't know what happened on the other side of the car. We don't know why he wasn't immediately put in the car. That I don't know. I don't want to pass judgment on that. What I saw disturbed me. He broke every law and rule of training. You do not ever leave anyone on their stomach because of positional asphyxia. You support somebody's head even when they're on their side because your head weighs eight pounds and you could cut off your carotid just by leaning your head. I've supported many a prisoner who we put on their side who were under the influence of drugs or who were injured or that we had to wrestle. The first thing that we do after they're in cuffs, everybody would scream, get him on his side, get him up. You don't leave anybody in that position. And the last thing, you never put any force on anybody's neck. That's disturbing. That man did not have to die, but please, people, come back from a place of peace. The facts need to come out. Please don't make this black and white. Not all cops are bad. I was not a bad cop. I was a good cop. You sound like a you sound like a well trained professional. And I pray for his family because they didn't deserve this. No, they didn't. This didn't have this. This this was so. This didn't have to happen. That's the sad part. But you people like you, Missy, obviously you are a seasoned pro, and you know every aspect of this, and everything I know about law enforcement. It's the same thing that you do. Anyway, I, we appreciate your call. Thanks for all you do. 20 years on the job. We appreciate it. And, you know, as far as the, the racial component that in reporting in some of this, um, I don't know anybody that has come out to defend this. Not a single person. You know, the president tweeted, I have asked at my request, the FBI and Department of Justice are already well into an investigation. As to the very sad and tragic death in Minnesota of George Floyd, I have asked for this investigation to be expedited and greatly appreciate all the work done by local law enforcement. My heart goes out to George's family and friends and justice will be served. President did that early also. And uh, anyway, back to our phones. Uh, Let's say uh, we have uh, Brandon in Atlanta, WSB. Brandon, how are you? Uh, my old home down south. I was talking to uh, Neil Bortz recently. He well, sends his regards from his Bortz bus. Anyway, what's going on? So we'd love for you to come back. We could probably offer you a large pay raise in the amount you paid last <laughs> year and have more space. And by the way, I'm not going to come and, and, and ruin the state that I uh, enforce or vote for people that supported the policies that ruined this state. I mean, they ruined it. But anyway, go ahead, sir. Well, I'm a real estate appraiser for a living, so if you ever do decide to come back here, let me know. I'll find you the best deal possible. But I've got three cops in the family. One of them, I sat with and talked last night, is the section chief of the U.S. Marshal's office in the Georgia division here. He's a quiet guy. He looked me dead in my eye and said, 95% of most people will show you that they're going to run or they're going to fight at immediate confrontation. He said, if they do not fight you, they probably are not going to. Very small chance. He said, I've been on the job 25 years. He said, I've been in Columbia, been in lots of countries, kicking in doors, 
gangbangers, you name it, serving warrants for some of the nastiest people. He said they either go down or they fight straight off the rib. He said this guy right here, if you just put him in the car, it wouldn't have been a problem. He showed no aggressiveness. He showed, did not show that he wanted to fight. He said they should have been, if they were so scared of him, they should have shackled his legs and put him in the back seat of the car. Yep. What they did makes no sense to anybody. It, I mean, it, this it, guy was a tactical training instructor with the marshal's office, and he said his mind's blown. He said, I, I don't understand what I saw and I, what I saw them doing. And, and Bongino's going to join us later, and, and Bernie Carrick was on the TV show last night, all saying the same thing. Bernie was the head of New York State prisons and the police chief in New York City. Never. This, this never happens. You never do this. This is... And for the amount of time and the amount of pressure on that guy's neck, it was a death sentence. Hey, Sean, before I let you go, I have one question. Yes, sir. When they got rid of the Nixon tapes, that tells me that everything in the White House is recorded. This supposed meeting with Comey and Yates and all these people, why can't we just pull the tape out and play it for what it is and find out what was said and let the tape speak for itself? My understanding is those days are long gone, and for good reason. A president needs... He, he, uh, pr any president needs the ability to talk confidentially about issues and throw ideas around, and, and he needs to do it in confidence, or else nobody's ever going to give a president good advice if they think they're being recorded. Never. Anyway, I appreciate your call. My best to all my friends in Atlanta. Uh, Matt, Twin Cities, Minnesota. How are you, sir? Glad you called. Good morning or good afternoon, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. Thank um, you. You're a police officer. Up in the Twin Cities here, not for uh, Minneapolis, but uh, mm -hmm. this is a horrible, just absolutely d devastating thing that happened. But I and I don't have any insight, but something that happens in, in law enforcement circles occasionally when someone resists arrest and there's a struggle and they're possibly under the influence of drugs or something like that, they later die of something called excited delirium. And I don't know if you're familiar with it at all, but it it's probably the neck the pressure on the neck probably didn't kill him because he was already in a lot of distress and matt uh, matt, matt i i have to passionately disagree with you you know okay. google um martial arts strikes of uh uh to the carotid to see if that i don't know if anything will come up i, I my sensei sure. showed me some videos today oh and yeah and if you horrible. if you target listen to be honest he could have died in 15 seconds there, maybe yeah. less. I mean, right. the, the right. amount of force on this man's neck. Now, you're talking about, okay, if you might be, have this delirium thing, but I, I think you're trying to thread a needle. You can't thread here. Because, right. now think about it. Does your training allow you to go for somebody's neck, or you train just the opposite, like Missy just said? Just a, a, a neck restraint, not a carotid at all. Correct. And... and, and only to, only to the extent either. necessary. Right. The, oh, yeah, the fact absolutely. this went on this long is just inexplicable. It absolutely is. Yep. And and again, I I, I don't have any insight, but I, I look. It, 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 maybe maybe you're right. I have no idea. It's the use of right. force. I've never yeah. seen anything like this. I agree. I agree. But this excited delirium thing does happen. I have heard of it. I understand, but right. I'm telling you, I, I, yeah. I, you know, I did this. No, I, I agree with you, Sean. We hadn't done this in a long time, but um, with my martial arts instructor today, Sensei Glenn, and I'm like, all right, let, you know, we'd start. I started doing arm drags, 
into a chokehold. And after I did my, I didn't, you know, when we immediately, once you, once you feel that you've got both carotids with your arm around and a real chokehold, and again, a trach hold is a different hold. At that point in time, you know, you'll, he'll tap. I said, all right, hold it for a few seconds. Let me see how long I can go. And I, I, I tapped out at like nine seconds, maybe eight. Because I was, and I felt bad the rest of the day until like came on the radio program because it, it literally cuts the blood to your brain. Now, we do it as part of our training so you know what it feels like. We even do pain days so, because you're not going to be in a situation where you can fight uh, to defend yourself successfully unless you can take pain and can take a hit. So we purposely take hits. Um, I know it sounds a little nuts, but it's part of the training, and I, I buy into it. I love the arts. I want to get better at it, even though I'm an older person. I still do it. It's great exercise. Uh, John in Tampa, Florida. Uh, John, thank you for calling. What's on your mind? WFLA. Thanks, Sean. I finally once think you're wrong. Um, we don't know what happened in between the two pieces of video. The cops did not just get him to the other side of the SUV and decide to throw him on the ground. Something happened. As far as the death, the video does look damning, but we don't have an autopsy yet. I will give the cops the benefit of the doubt until we have an autopsy. There's one moment in that video where that cop, uh, where he puts his hand up against his he looks exhausted. That was a big man. When they lifted him off the ground to walk around the SUV, he towered over the smaller Okay, now, now slow down a second. All right, let's say it's the eight-minute mark. He had full-on pressure on the guy's neck for that period of time, pushing his neck, pushing his knee into his neck and his face into the pavement. You, there's nothing that you're going to say here that's going to convince me John. that that is that is excessive force at a level I've never seen. Sean, we don't have the rest of the video, but let me say this: um, they should. The guy they should was really the, he was not a threat to any officer in that moment. You pull, you pick him up. He's cuffed. You put him in the car. You don't keep your your especially the neck. I am Do you telling you, Eric Garner. Do you remember Eric Garner? I remember, and everybody was saying it was okay. a chokehold. It wasn't actually technically, and I explained that part. You know, it, was it was a not, headlock. It was not a chokehold. If I'm talking, I'm breathing. Correct? Yes and no. I mean, that may sound stupid. What What happens if, for example, when my sensei put me in a chokehold today, and I, he literally then You're puts supplies. About your limited experience. Well, it's seven years of training. I'm not saying that I'm the most knowledgeable man. I'm just somebody, I'm a student of the arts. And I'm just telling you, when he put me in a chokehold and and he got me, meaning he has both carotids and he applies pressure, I will, I'm telling you, I'm out in 15 seconds. Out. Cold. It's a tragic every cop has to, every cop has to know that. It's a tragic loss no matter how you look at it. When he stopped speaking... They should have immediately checked his pulse and done more. But it was, still, you can't, you're missing my whole point. I am telling you, that pressure on that neck, nobody can survive that. It's impossible. Minutes you cannot you put that type of pressure on the neck like that, period. He's saying he can't breathe to the extent he's losing all blood flow to his, to his brain. He couldn't breathe. And there's a certain panic that arises out of that. 
All right, we'll have more on the other side. Now, a lot of news on the coronavirus front. We'll get back to this in our News Roundup Information Overload Hour and much more as we continue. All right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of this extravaganza? We do have so much other news that we're not getting to here today. The, uh, the battle over social media. Now, this is an interesting battle uh, for a lot of different reasons because there's certain... Yeah, well, number one, the guy that Twitter has, I mean, this is just ridiculous, a rabid Trump hater, their head of site integrity, the guy in charge of this, uh, referred to uh, the president's team in the White House as actual Nazis in the White House. Really? Uh, you got a Jack at Jack at Twitter? Seriously? The head of your site of integrity? Uh, So that's problematic in a lot of different ways. The president now talking about an executive order. There is a real significant issue that is involved here um, because of the fact of how these different, uh, you know, the characterization. And this this gets into a much deeper argument or debate that we'll have later on. How they characterize a site like Twitter matters because some if, in other words, liability laws kick in if they're going to start editing content. And now the attorney general will look into that. Joe Biden has had more more flubs in the last 24 hours. It is unbelievable. We'll try and get to that today. But the latest on the coronavirus opening the country, opening safely. Our medical aid team means Dr. Oz is back. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm doing very, very well. Let me start before, if I may, um, I'm sure like all of us, you have you seen the video of this uh, this death of this guy, George Floyd, in, in Minneapolis? I saw it. It's horrible. Horrible. I, I saw it. I'm sure most of the country has. Um, you know, we've become friends. You know I'm into martial arts training, and I'm not saying I'm an expert. I've been doing it seven years, and I am a, a student. I just like it. I train with it. It's a good workout. Um. And one of the things that, as we practice situational self-defense, we'll do, for example, an arm drag into a chokehold, and we do it on each other, and if I have the right hold and I do it properly, and I put pressure, I'm literally cutting off the blood supply to both carotid arteries. In a trach hold, obviously, that, that is infinitely more dangerous, and I think every police department has banned that, separate and apart. The pressure that this officer is putting on his neck for almost for eight minutes or longer, straight in straight into the pavement, full on looks like full on force to me. No neck can survive, Doctor Oz. From from just my limited knowledge of not being a doctor, my when we when we train, we know that that's a targeted strike. If I strike somebody's carotid artery in a targeted strike and I hit it right, that person's going down to their knees. How it's dangerous. dangerous in so many ways, so many ways. First off, within three seconds of truly occluding the carotids, the patient will pass out. That's why if you're skipping heartbeats, we get nervous if your heart rate drops below 20, because that means that you're going to start having syncope, which is fainting episodes. In this case, he uh, obviously wasn't completely obstructing him initially because the poor man was crying out for help and just you know, asking, saying he can't breathe. But what I just don't understand is apparently he lost consciousness, which is a very dangerous phenomenon because the arteries inside the neck could have been injured. Uh, he certainly could have been blocking the, the, uh, the blood supply to the brain, if, even if it didn't destroy the artery. And you could be blocking the trachea so no air can move. Or all of those 
scenarios. But when the man loses consciousness, I just don't understand what the point of continuing to put pressure there. He was not moving. And when the paramedic came in, I didn't see this video, but I read reports on it, apparently checked the pulse, and they quickly put him on a stretcher. I, I'm curious if he had a pulse then. They declared him dead at the hospital. But, uh, you know, he may have... <laughs> He made us come to the scene. I mean, I want to see this autopsy. I think we all, we all deserve to have an honest assessment of what injuries happened to his neck. But the video speaks for itself. It, and and police officers are trained in this. And as you know, but Dan Bongino is going to join us later, said once somebody is not resisting and they're cuffed, it's over. The fight is over. The battle is over. And you're the professional and you put them in the back of the car. And if they need medical attention, they get medical attention. Um, I tweeted out yesterday a, a series of tweets, and that is the things that we have learned. I'm going to read them off real quick, what we learned right and wrong. And it's very simple stuff. The experts, the models, the doctors were all wrong. China lied. We need to start manufacturing our own medical equipment and medicines at home. We learned we got to protect older Americans like they did in Florida and Texas and elsewhere and if we don't protect them, like New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Michigan, it'll, it will be an unmitigated disaster. Uh, we learned travel bans, quarantines are smart, not xenophobic. We learned that medical supply chains, food supply chains that never closed work perfectly. The people wore masks. Um, and I talk about that example to you often. We learned that, you know, we learned who all the heroes are. Doctors like yourself, nurses, janitor, janitors and hospitals. The manufacturers of our medical equipment kept New York alive. The, the entire food chain up to the grocery store clerks and the guys that stocked the shelves. We learned that we can we can mobilize like no other country, the fastest, largest medical mobilization in history. Um, and, you know, so these are solid lessons. How do we apply all that to reopening? Well, let me if I can add one or two more. When you look at hospitals like mine, who are able to keep COVID wards, people, places where people had COVID-19, separate from people who didn't have COVID-19 and did not have crossover. And there was a beautiful article written from um, Atul Gwandi up in Boston on this topic. And it sort of describes what all medical professionals learned, which is wear a mask, keep six feet away if you can't wear a mask or vice versa, and then make sure you wash your hands. Those simple tactics dramatically change how these viruses move around hospitals. They'll also change how they move around shopping malls and stadiums and uh, places of worship. So the, the key steps that we need to take are going to include those three. And if we do that, and that's the main price we pay to be able to open our country up, I think most of us are patriotic enough and kind enough to each other because wearing the mask protects the person across from you, not you as much, to do those things. And I, I know that there's people arguing back and forth, and I don't want this to be a politicized debate about masks. It's just a simple observation that in a hospital, this works. So if it works in the most dangerous place possible, it's probably going to work in less dangerous places pretty well. And we just had data overnight suggesting that masks in general reduce the effectiveness by about 50%. Imagine changing how this virus behaves to more like you know, the classic flu. It would give us a lot of comfort as we open the country. I think that you know, you're, you're obviously on top of this. But we learned a lot, and we learned some lessons the hard way. I, I don't think people purposely made decisions. You know, the one thing, as all the projections and all the models and all the advice changed, 
And you know that I respect Dr. Fauci. He's been wrong a lot on this. Now he's saying there may not be a second wave. And then he's saying we may not have to wear masks. I'm like, you know, can we please? It's frustrating to me and it's frustrating to people that want to get back to work and get back to their normal life. It's frustrating to everybody, but I tell you, the, uh, the limited amount of insight that we had about these kinds of phenomenon was shocking. I mean, we, we sort of had data from the Second World War and how far soldiers who had strep throat coughed and how far the bacteria went when they coughed. We had observations of school children with infectious disease, and we extrapolated that to billions of people. We just didn't have much. I'll tell you, the biggest example was I thought, so I think most doctors thought, that the virus particle itself infected us. And so a mask would not work that well because the mask can't block a virus particle. Turns out, from what I can understand, it's mostly virus within a globule of spit, right? A little bit of gesticulated material that leaves your mouth. That means a droplet has to pass into your nose, not the virus itself. Well, a mask can stop a droplet both coming out and going in. So now you begin to think, okay, common sense would dictate this would be an important thing for me to do. And I keep fielding questions about those kinds of topics. But once you understand the principle, it makes sense. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed at how much we have learned so quickly, but it's disappointing how little we knew at the time. And that, I think, it gave lots of people the wrong information. And the modeling you spoke about, which has really been an embarrassment in many ways, because the modeling speaks more about the modeler than what really happened. And people, people made big decisions based on these models, and they turned out to be not nearly as accurate as they, at least they didn't, they, they projected themselves, pretended to be more accurate than they ended up being and that has hurt us a lot you know all right so now we're at this point where and by the way did you see the information on sweden they, they went they they had a a less intrusive model which they call the herding model and in the beginning i know i stayed away from even talking about it because it didn't look like that was going to work to me just my gut not because anybody that did report on it wasn't reporting truth i just had i had my suspicions Turns out their death rate is now the highest per capita. They have a high death rate, but if you ask, but two things I want to point out. First, we really should all be rooting for these different countries who are trying things, because what if it worked? I mean, they went and did something different from us. They're paying a price for it, but I, I, I wanted the, the people to try things if they thought it was going to work if their people, and they're different than we are, to get it to work. But here's the most profound thing that leadership of, of their health system has said. And he was very sanguine about it. He said, listen, you might not like what we're doing, but you're eventually going to do what we're doing. Because when you open, you're basically like us. So if you open your state up and you limit the number of people in a restaurant, and you ask people to wear masks, and you ask them to socially distance, you're basically doing sweet. You're just doing it without the shutdown and without the lessons learned that we achieved by shutting down. So I think everyone is happy we shut down and got some of those important messages clear and everyone understands what we need to do. But now we basically are moving towards a Swedish model because we're doing what they're already doing. They're just a couple months ahead of us because they never shut down. What about, and, and I guess there's, there's risk in everyday life, had we not had the travel bans, the numerous ones, the first one after 10 days after the first identified case, if we didn't have the quarantine, if we didn't do the, the shutdown, I mean, I know it's an estimate, but in my mind, exponentially, I mean, millions more potential lives were at risk here or hundreds of thousands minimum. Am I wrong? I think you're right. I think we were way behind when we started. And even the one-week difference uh, in when states shut down compared to when New York shut down made a huge difference to those states. 
And I think part of the reason California wasn't hurt as badly, and there are many factors. They're not quite, they're not as densely populated, you know, they, but they, they weren't as overwhelmed with foreigner, foreign uh, folks carrying virus. But part of it was they, they, you know, they stopped before the virus had progressed that much, whereas in New York, and you and I are both here, it really had already exploded by the time we shut down. And if we hadn't made some of the other moves, it would have been even worse. So, I mean, I'm a glass half empty guy. I'm, I was horrible. We've lost 100,000 American lives. Uh, but on the other hand, we, it could have been many, many more. And some of the things that we did were very difficult to imagine happening, even in February. And yet brave leadership um, at, at every level, let, let it progress. The question now is, where does the brave leadership take us now? Are we willing to open? How much are we willing to tolerate? I don't think we're going to extinguish this virus. It's going to continue. There are going to be more people dying. There are going to be uh, the, these brush fires that begin to expand and, get, and start to scare the individual states. So we've got to develop some strategies to how to keep states open or at least figure out what parts of what states to shut down if they get into trouble. Let me ask you about a vaccine. Now, I, we keep hearing there are a lot in the pipeline. I've heard over 20 now separate real pads to a vaccine. But then on the other side of that, there I know there are going to be people that don't trust the vaccine. I know people that don't want to vaccinate their own kids. I, I personally believe in medical science and vaccines and the science behind it. I don't know if it's 100% perfect, but I that's my personal choice. I like to let people make their own choices, but what about a vaccine? How soon do you think we might be able to get one? I think we'll have at least one or two of these vaccines that you mentioned will be functional by early part of 2021. I'm hoping that they're dedicated because you won't have enough initially to the sickest people, the people most vulnerable, people in nursing homes, folks with multiple risk factors, diabetics, hypertensives, obese folks, uh, and then slow to the rest of the population. But to your point, between a third and a half of the U.S. population, depending on the surveys you look at, say they're not going to get the vaccine. They, they, mm-hmm. Which, is, again, I'm a physician. I, you know, I've seen what happens when people aren't vaccinated. I personally would prefer people get a vaccine. I get a vaccine. I can get a flu shot every year. Um, and I understand I, that by the way, so do I. And people, yeah, people I, are saying to me, Hannity, you, you, you keep saying I need to wear a mask. And that's, no, don't wear it. I'm not telling what people what to do. But if wearing a mask gets me to that baseball and football game, you know how I feel about that because I say it 10 times a day. But, Dr. Raj, you've been uh, so generous, as always, with your time and expertise. We appreciate it. All right, let's get to a phone call here. Let's say hi to Lloyd, Houston, Texas. Hey, Lloyd, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, Sean, how are you, sir? I'm good. What's going on? We got a minute and ten seconds. It's all yours. I'll be qu- I'll be quick. I'm an older white gentleman, and uh, I agree totally what what you're talking about. I do not agree with the rioting and the also what the media is doing to help format that rioting. That has to stop. I mean, yeah. you know, you th- you think of now now innocent people, other innocent people. Uh, and again, the president is very clear. He's moving towards an expedited justice acting immediately. And all of that is happening. The officers are fired. We're going to have an investigation. And I would suspect that these guys are going to be brought, or at least the guy doing this, probably others, brought up on charges. Um, you know, we have a system. We also have evidence here. And, you know, but hurting businesses that are already struggling putting other people's lives at risk. That is not an answer. You want to peacefully protest? Peacefully protest. Don't hurt other people in the process. Let justice, it's sometimes, as we know in the Comey McCabe case, way too slow, but it will happen. We're going to accelerate 
our big infrastructure programs. We have the Empire Station Project, which is building a new Penn Station, which is long overdue. That Penn Station has been torturing people for too long. Uh, let's now accelerate the Empire Penn Project while the ridership is low and when we need the jobs. Accelerating LaGuardia Airport, which is going to be the first new airport in this nation in 25 years. Traffic is low. Passenger volume is lower. Let's accelerate that construction now. And let's do things that we've been talking about for a long time, but we've never actually pulled the trigger on. Are you just listening to this? How out of touch is the governor of New York? Let's accelerate. Let's rebuild all of Penn Station. Uh, For those that don't even know what Penn Station is in New York, okay, it's the underground uh, system that includes subways and trains that go to New York, Long Island, et cetera, New Jersey. Uh, The subways that go everywhere. Uh, You're going to accelerate. You don't have the money to accelerate that. The 2nd Avenue subway that they've been trying to do for what was what has it been, 30 years? Probably longer, right? 40 years that they never get done. Now they're going to ask red state citizens to pay for, for their dream wish list. Everything's free. Let's redo LaGuardia Airport. LaGuardia is always under construction. It is the worst airport pretty much in the entire country, and it's always under construction. And I can't remember a time it hasn't been under construction. I mean, and you get nothing in terms of of anything from the state of New York. Well, maybe they should have thought about these things. What did what did the mayor and his wife? What, what did they spend? Nine hundred million one billion, almost one billion dollars on her get healthy program, and nobody knows where the money is. That Charlene McRae, the Blasio's wife, get they have never they have never been held accountable. Okay, then you got Cuomo spent. 750 million New York tax dollars uh, literally on a on a solar project in upstate New York. It failed. It's mothballed. It got bought out by somebody. 600 million dollars on a microchip company. That didn't go well either. 90 million on a light bulb. This is all new green deal crap. And now he's saying that what the people that live in states that elect responsible legislators and senators and governors that balance their budgets, fund their pensions, live within their means, have better infrastructure, better maintained than all of New York and all the money that they get from taxes from from taxpayers in New York on on top of the New York City. They have their own set of taxes. You know, now you got uh, comrade de Blasio wants what? He wants a, a $9 billion check. It ain't happening. This isn't coronavirus related. And on top of it all, nobody in New York can even think of a way to, to open up New York safely. They have no plan. It's just a hodgepodge mix of everything, you know, thrown up against the wall. And you see this all over the place. All these Democratic governors, the Commonwealth uh, Governor Northam, remember him? We'll deliver the baby, and then uh, we'll make sure the baby's comfortable. Then we'll let the mother decide in consultation with her doctor what we're going to let the baby live or die. I mean, that lunatic, he's not wearing a mask, telling everybody in the Commonwealth of Virginia to wear a mask. You got the Democratic uh, New Mexico governor violating the coronavirus order, uh, kept a business open. Why? So she could buy jewelry. Oh, the Michigan governor uh, now we know her husband, oh, it was only a joke, makes a phone call because he wants to get his boat in the water. People in Michigan, they can't even cut their lawn. And then we find out that the governor, uh, Governor Shutdown Whitmer, said, 
uh, about her husband that he went to their second home to rake leaves in the northern part of the state. And he came back right after he raked the leaves. Um, but when she ordered the, the opening in some of these more rural areas in Michigan, uh, she said to people, no, don't rush up there and overwhelm the area. Well, why did her husband go up there? You know, it's it's insane. You know, it, it is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. You know, and, a, and another thing to be angry about, CDC suggesting coronavirus fatality rate higher than the flu, but eight times lower than the models and the estimates from the experts that, you know, originally were projecting two and a half million dead Americans. You know, you have the great Dr. Fauci. I have respect for Dr. Fauci. He's dedicated his life to saving lives, but he's he, he hasn't been anywhere close to perfect in this you know, early, mid-March saying you don't need to wear masks. Now he's saying you have to wear masks. Then he changed his tune. Now he's back to, you know, well, the second wave now of COVID may never happen. And mask wearing is uh, symbolic, respectful. OK, I would be my term. I, but you do what you want. But they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Now, a lot of it is because China lied. A lot of it is people made, you know, the best guess they have. This is, you know, this is this is art as much as science sometimes when you're in the early stages of this you got to go with your gut here or there the best person with the best gut ended up being donald trump travel ban quarantines uh subsequent travel bans they were impeaching him at the time you know the media sensationalism what they told the public that would happen and didn't happen and reality now look i'm pro-life i believe every life is a gift from god and i want everybody healthy and and hopefully we're going to learn the lessons that i outlined yesterday on the show because if we look at the states that were successful we can learn from governor desantis we can learn from governor abbott and even governor kemp who i was critical of early on i thought the tattoo parlor idea opening up and the nail salon was a little nuts i was wrong on the nail salon i still don't know about the tattoo thing what do i know though Maybe they maybe they can cut out a, an area where the guy's just reaching under the plexiglass and do that. I I have no idea. I wouldn't recommend getting a tattoo now. Wait, and I, I don't want to put people out of work. If you can figure out how to do it safely, uh, well, I, will, I was gonna say we'll send Linda. She'll go get a tattoo for everybody. Oh my God, never, never, never. You know, you, know, you want to hear the mean side of me as a dad? My dad would kill me if I did that. No, I just told my kids I just you know burn it off. Oh, yeah. I'm like, no, that's not happening. Oh, Uh, all right. Let's get to our. And by the way, the debacle, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Michigan, literally the single dumbest decisions in this entire pandemic. And then in New York, it gets worse because the governor sneaks into a budget bill, uh, legal protections so that hospitals and nursing homes that donated a million bucks to him in 2018 They can't get sued as a result of what happened here. Well, putting COVID-19 patients into nursing homes was a bad idea from the get-go. All right, let's go to uh, Jim is in Illinois. Jim, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. Sean, I'm just so upset. This Governor Cuomo is absolutely culpable for the deaths of those people that he sent to these uh, nursing homes. And, and, And the nursing home people, the innocent citizens that were living there, thinking that they were going to had some uh, normal life in their final days. And then this guy sends this, you know, uh, 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 he's just so, and then he's so full of it. He's full of crap trying to blame the president 
who's, who's done everything, bent over backwards to enable these, to give the, these governors, including him, every tool available, and he bypasses that system and sends it, instead of sending them to the facilities provided by our president, he sends them to these nursing homes. By by his mandate, it was no one else. Oh, yeah, no, he's, no. First, he's, he's blaming the nursing homes. I mean, there's a whole pattern of excuses here. He lashed out at the nursing homes. It's all about money. I'm like, what? And then he said, "You're responsible for your own PPE." I'm like, I was, it, I, it took my breath away because this is a guy that demanded everything from the federal government because he didn't listen to his own health task force, and he had no ventilators in the city or in the state, and they had two separate studies saying you're going to need them and they didn't get them. But Trump made it work. He got it done for them, manned the facilities, built the hospitals, you know, gave all the PPE equipment. I mean, the biggest, largest, fastest medical mobilization in the history of mankind. And thank God these manufacturers didn't shut down and the food supply chains didn't shut down or New York completely would have died. It's unbelievable. I'm so angry about it. I, I can't words can't describe it. And um, it is it is beyond any comprehension I have. That was the one constant that always made sense. The elderly, those with underlying conditions, those with compromised immune systems are going to be the most vulnerable. They were. Last word, Jim. Yeah, I know. And, and, and I'm right there with you, Sean. And uh, I, I don't know who's going to hold him accountable. He needs to be held accountable. These people cannot keep sliding and getting and just bu- passing the buck off to somebody somebody else. For political gain and and not uh, having any consequences for their uh, for murder, it's essentially murder. What he did, unbelievable. It's it's unreal. Then you got this situation. I, uh, I can't even watch this video anymore. It it upsets me so much that this was. Uh, I I cannot believe that this went on for between six and eight minutes. It is full force, knee head to the pavement, no resisting handcuffed it's over it was over when it started put him in the back of the car somebody stand up and say stop unbelievable i don't get it uh it drives me nuts all oh, oh, you know frustrating all right let's go to jim in utah jim how are you thanks on uh veterans and ham radio greetings and uh so yes, highlights sir. oh you're you're great uh, president's great kaylee is amazing so highlights wife is a nurse and by the way wait, wait, you don't know that you're great the president's great kaylee is amazing oh okay keep going <laughs> uh, so you want to hear a little uh, factoid uh, about kaylee <laughs> mcenany Lay it on me, brother. She once interned on my TV show. Your show's amazing. How's that? Will that work for you? <laughs> a little late, but no. I, okay. <laughs> oh, my God, Jim. A little I, late. I love okay. how she's shaking things up. Oh, a little late. Oh, no recovery. So, anyways, uh, real quick. So, wife's a uh, registered nurse in southern Utah, does home care and hospice, assisted living, and some work for the state. Her sister is a hospital administrator in southern Utah for the big eight, one of the big hospitals, the HMO down there. Asking my wife in the beginning of March, when should I panic? When should I worry? When should I get nervous? I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. March or April, same thing. May, same thing. Her sister's going nuts. Wants to shrink wrap the kids, shrink wrap the grandkids, shrink wrap the parents' house. The bureaucracy at the big HMO is, and I'm like, the sky is falling. And what do you do? And my wife says, she says that the forecasts and the models are pretty much what's being broadcast is what's occurring. And it's making her crazy. So it's just, it just goes to show you that even everybody's under the banner of the, of the uh, CDC 
and the organizations in the states that, man, this information is just flying back and forth. And it's one side or the other. Not one person or assisted living facility that you worked for part-time ever had any symptoms. One of the nurses tested positive, kicked her loose for two weeks. But uh, Utah should have never been uh, shut down. Of course, we're out in the rural areas. Salt Lake's a little bit busier. Um, Look, uh, I'm just giving you my anecdotal (laughs) information about, you know, I think we learned a lot. One of the things we learned is those that never closed, the food supply chain, medical supply chain, you know, all the way through the guys stocking the shelves, they, they all wore masks and they didn't get it. And at least where I live, every store I've been to, I've been to a number of them. It's not just one. I go to a number of stores. I've been trying, you know, I'll be honest, I'm trying to spend money everywhere. Extra, I'm buying more food. I'm putting weight back on because I'm buying too much food from, you know, my favorite restaurants because I know these guys are suffering. They're dying. And I, I, they're like family to me. I, I only go to a few places and I love these guys. Um, all right. Thank you for a good call, Jim. We wish you the best in Utah. We have about 90 seconds here. Let's give it to Paul in Oklahoma. Paul, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Good afternoon, Mr. Hannity. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, I think we need to ditch these masks. I I think that we wake up from the time that uh, every morning when we wake up and we go, we go out and face the world that we have risk that we take. Uh, safely to do everything i mean i would have to just stay at home so, right so so you're saying nobody you don't want anyone to have masks on or you choose no, yourself I'm not, not to. i'm not i'm not saying that why do you think doctors myself. wear them in operating rooms why do you right. think painters when they spray they use masks and i made that mistake once when i was a house painter uh, yeah, and a car paint i used to paint i painted a, a truck with imeron my lungs burned forever because i didn't have the proper respirator why do people wear masks? We can aspirate things, but I mean, we can go through we can go through our entire lives scared of our own shadows. I'm not scared. Listen, I'll tell you, I'm not wearing it about me. I would rather. I I personally am not afraid of this virus for myself at all. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not trying but to. I, but but, but, I, are, but I do not, have contact not. with other people that have underlying conditions. As I've been saying, I'm going to wear it because it's it's a short period of time we're talking about, and it's temporary. And I'm doing it for moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas that would be susceptible if I contracted it and gave it to them and I'd be asymptomatic for five days. From the time I was born, when I drew my first first breath, this world has tried to kill me. And I'm sure it's tried to do the same to every human being on Earth. Yeah. We can't. We, we, we got it. We've got ourselves in a situation right now. If we don't get people back to work. We're not going to have to worry about it anymore. I'm all, we're not uh, have a but I'm telling you, in New York. The grocery store, the guys that stocked the shelves wore the masks, and none of them, and none of the cashiers got sick either. They worked. All right. I got to run. Appreciate your thoughts, though. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Paul, 800-941. Sean, toll-free number. When we come back, the latest out of Minnesota, this tragedy that never should have happened of George Floyd. Straight ahead. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload.
so in an effort to try and cure this disease, I am stating exactly what everyone else has witnessed, and that is racism. Um, today is a sad day for Minneapolis. It's a sad day for America. Um, it's a sad day for the world. I want to remind all of the people that are in the streets protesting, you have every absolute right to be angry, to be upset, to be mad, to express your anger. However, you have no right to perpetrate violence and harm on the very communities that you say that you are standing up for. We need peace and calm in our streets, and I am begging you for that calm. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Some of the, the sounds of uh, protesters and, uh, of course, some of the looting and, and rioting that took place last night. That was the City Council Vice President, Andrea Jenkins, urging Minneapolis residents not to perpetuate violence. Uh, we have some updates on the story. Al Sharpton apparently is headed to Minneapolis. He, say, he said today in Minneapolis he'll meet with local clergy, activists, lead a prayer vigil at the site where George Floyd was killed. Um, Eric Gardner's mom will accompany Sharpton as they go there. The Minneapolis mayor wants the governor to call the National Guard to quell the riots. Um, We know that there is, you know, temperatures very, very hot. Um, I've gone over this in, in great detail. Did it last night, did it earlier in the program. Um, There seemed to be zero resisting of any arrest. And once somebody is handcuffed and once they're not resisting, you put them in the back of the car. And this uh, there seems no justifiable reason whatsoever to to put the knee on the neck of of Mr. Floyd like this for anywhere between six and eight minutes. Basic one oh one training in any police academy, you know that the neck and chokes in particular, in this case, a knee literally pinning the neck down into the pavement is extraordinarily dangerous for 10 seconds, never mind six minutes. And it ended up in the death of George Floyd. Um, A lot of anger justifiable from my vantage point watching this. Uh, I know we don't rush to judgment, but we always give a presumption of innocence. There's nothing in this videotape that shows that any proper procedures by any trained police officers were followed here. And people look at it. This guy is saying, I can't breathe again and again. And now they've all been fired. The four officers on the scene there. Um, and there, there is an imminent movement towards uh, a potential arrest uh, in this in this case for sure. The president, I've been reading his statement, has gone out there. He has ordered the DOJ, the FBI, to investigate uh, George Floyd's death. At my request, the FBI Department of Justice already well into an investigation as to the very sad, tragic death in Minnesota of George Floyd. Uh, he called it a very, very sad situation when he was going on his trip uh, to see the launch that was then, well, didn't take off of SpaceX and the rocket ship. Uh, the president, you know, also has been very clear. They want to expedite this uh, as quickly as possible. Anyway, here to discuss this, we have Joe Collins is with us. He's a Navy veteran. 
He's a Republican uh, congressional candidate for the California 43rd District. That is Maxine Waters' district. Dan Bongino is back with us, former Secret Service officer, Fox News contributor, has his own podcast and uh, is also on the NYPD for a time. Joe, let's look at this from a standpoint and your take on it. You, we've all seen this video re-racked and re-racked over and over again. And I, I, for the life of me, cannot understand why somebody did not step in and say, stop. Once the person is not resisting and the person's cuffed, it's over. And, he, and I didn't see any resistance on top of that. Yes, absolutely. Hannity, first I want to say uh, thanks for having me on your show. And I will say this. The, the excessive use of police force in this situation is, is utterly disgusting to me. But this is something that we see in the black community all the time. And I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm very disappointed in the people that are also rioting right now. But one question we have to ask ourselves is, when, are, when does our so-called black leaders going to stand up and fight for the, the, the rights of, of black America, right? Because you, you see this over and over and over again. And these are these are things that are prevalent in our communities and these are things that should be fought for by our our black leaders our maxine waters is in our in our in our covered bookers and kamala harris and these people do absolutely nothing for us so it, it disgusts me to see these things happen over and over and over again and unfortunately at the we're at a point where you know the rioting is not going to solve anything um you know some more senseless murders is not going to solve anything you know trying to uh, you know, go against the police force is not going to solve anything. We have to start taking it up on ourselves to create legislation that's going to stop things like this from happening on a regular basis. But I, but I am utterly disgusted um, by what I've seen on the video. Uh, Dan Bongino, you've been trained by the Secret Service. You've been trained by NYPD. They have some of the best training facilities in, in the country, uh, although they have incidents, you know, again, it's not the 99% of officers that protect and serve their communities. And that always needs to be pointed out uh, because doing that job is an extraordinarily dangerous one. But you're also you, you're trained in mixed martial arts like I am. And we talk about it for hours on end. And you and yeah. I both know that if you go for somebody's trach, if you hit their carotid, if there uh, the amount of pressure that was put on. This man's neck, George Floyd's neck, is enormous for that period of time. It, it is a death sentence. We know just from our training it is that dangerous. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you started. I really hope that this doesn't grossly stereotype the overwhelming majority of men and women in law enforcement who I've worked with who do a terrific job. Um, having said that, this individual is not one of those people. You know, just for a moment, I remember doing a Fox and Friends appearance. I, I was talking to Ainsley one morning, and it was a tragic story about a cop killing himself. She said, Dan, tell the audience how dangerous of a job this is. And I said, well, you know, it's interesting, Ainsley. I get a text twice a year from friends of mine in the NYPD about a guy I went through with the academy, worked with, or who died. I said, can you imagine being in the radio profession or TV and getting a text twice a year that one of your colleagues was killed in the line of duty or someone you knew? So the overwhelming majority of cops out there do great work. Again, this guy was not one of them. Um, I get it. There probably is going to be a lot of information that comes out. And, Sean, that'll be critical for telling the whole story. But that is not necessary anymore to tell the use of force story at that acute moment of time. And what I mean by that is this. We need to know what happened for George's, um, for Mr. Lloyd's family, for everyone. The public needs to know what happened start to finish. But the video is crystal clear. There is no... This is not opaque. 
the man had a, a knee on his neck for nine minutes. When I By the way, it wasn't, just on, it wasn't just on his neck. His neck was pinned down to the pavement. Yes. And and, he's, yes. and he's, he keeps repeating. I'll play it again. He keeps repeating. Uh, I can't breathe. He's not a threat to anybody in that moment. And from what I could see, he looked handcuffed. Sean, in the golden rule, I remember when I got out of the academy, a couple of the more skilled police officers who've been around a while. I worked in East New York, Brooklyn. was a dangerous area back. I was a young kid. I was in my 20s. What does anybody know in their 20s? You know, I mean, really, what do you know in your early 20s? And I remember them saying to me, listen, that stuff in the academy is terrific. Keep it in the back of your toolbox. But here's the reality. Don't ever forget. This is what they told me. Don't ever forget the hard and fist. I said this on your show last night. Here's the rule. When the guy or the woman is in cuffs and the resistance stops, the fight is over. End of story. It doesn't matter if you just arrested a serial pedophile. If you arrested Charlie Manson, it doesn't matter. When the cuffs are on, end. And the because people can still spit on you, kick you, and the resistance stops. The fight is over, man. This what was over thinking? for and minutes. When you watch that video, you've done this, Sean. You've been on the ground. You know what this is. About. I said last night, and I'll tell you again. Watch the officer's right foot. It's, it's off the ground. His left knee is on the neck. The right foot is light. How do I know it's light? Because he's moving his toes. That's called a knee on belly position. And the right foot is light means the left leg isn't, means all his weight was on the guy's neck. You can see it in the video, really disturbing stuff. You know, uh, Joe Collins, I I understand the justifiable anger here. Uh, We just heard Mm. from the vice president of the city council. I I understand there's going to be more protesting tonight. I I never quite understand. Everybody should. I, I, I feel the outrage everybody feels. We all feel it. Peaceful protesting for justice, okay, that that is our American right to do so. But when you see the videos and and people seen looting television and and clothes and and looting a, a liquor store, I saw. Uh, how does any of that help anything? It, it absolutely doesn't. It doesn't, and that just shows the pure lack of leadership in that community, the pure lack of leadership in that city. And I can tell you how I know. We've been organizing protests all across South Los Angeles whenever they did that unconstitutional shutdown. We have yet to have any violence at, at our rallies, you know, regardless of whatever the situation is. So we need strong leaders to stand up and show these people, if you're going to protest, this is the way you do it. But the looting, the, the stealing, the, the violence that's occurring after this, it's, it's uncalled for. And I'm very disappointed in the leadership in that, in that city. And, and this, he was a Christian man. You know, he was a Christian man who was trying to get his life back together. And I heard, uh, I heard a significant other say er, earlier today that this is not what he would want. He wouldn't want people out here looting. He wouldn't want people out here committing violence. He wants grace. He wants people to, to sit and think about um, the, what, what's going on in our country today. I mean, and, and, and I put blame on Joe Biden as well, because he is pushing this rhetoric that you have to be black. And in order to, to vote for him and you not, if you if you with the president and all these things that people are saying that even even the whole, you know, it's racism. I 100 percent highly doubt that this has anything to do with 
some sort of racism. So I'm disappointed in the majority of the mainstream media that is pushing it, that, that narrative as well, as well as Black Lives Matter. I mean, these people should utterly, utterly be disappointed in themselves for the way they're conducting themselves. This is, this is un-American. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back more with Joe Collins, Dan Bagino. We'll have more of this on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. When we come up on the air, uh, it is expected there will be more protesting tonight. I hope it's peaceful. Uh, So that'll that'll happen tonight. As we continue, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, We continue our coverage. What is a a tragic, tragic uh, situation in Minneapolis uh, with uh, Dan Bongino and Joe Collins, who's, by the way, running against uh, Maxine Waters in this upcoming election in 159 days. Um, you know, I look at the bigger, broader picture here, and, you know, I said this many years ago, Dan, that I think cameras in cop cars with audio, cameras on cops, and now people with, with videos on them everywhere, it's going to be good to hold people accountable for their actions. Cops should want it for their own safety and protection. And you know what? We're getting more justice now as a result. You know, Sean, it's interesting you say I know you have a family in law enforcement. Me having been in law enforcement, all my friends are cops. They told me after some initial reluctance when this first became widespread over a decade ago, the cops actually, a lot of the cops I took actually like this now. Because one, it weeds out the bad apples. And two, like you said, it actually protects them. Because a lot of, sometimes there are obviously false charges made both ways. And the police officers who do the right thing, they don't mind this check on them at all. And obviously, again, with this incident, Sean, I mean, I just can't encourage people strongly yeah. enough. Put all the politics aside. I know we live in a really this is, you know, this is a human time, issue. But, yeah, yeah. Just imagine it was your kid. Just imagine that for a second. Great way to put it. Your son. Joe Collins, yeah. last word. And you'd be horrified. We're going to be watching your race closely in 159 days. You get the final 15 seconds. All right. I'm, I'm going to tell people this. Um, we, we need to stand up as leaders, and we need to show our community how leaders are supposed to act. If, if you are a representative, we need you to actually do your job. We need you to represent. We're at a time where, you know, we have to let our Christian values um, depict who we are, you know. And I am ready to lead. I'm ready to lead the 43rd District. I'm ready to lead this country. All right, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you both for being with us. When we come back on the other side, your calls 800-941-SEAN. We'll have full coverage tonight. We expect protest 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. I know that our community is in trauma and that they are trying to find ways to heal. Uh, from the very beginning, um, I wanted to make sure and ensure, and we will continue to do that, that those who are wanting to express their First Amendment rights and go through this uh, healing process, that they will absolutely have that from me. And that is a guarantee as your chief. But that being said, even prior to Mr. Floyd's death, we have had a community that has been in trauma for quite some time. And what I cannot allow as chief is for others to compound that trauma. And so if individuals, as it occurred last night, are committing behavior and acts which are criminal, which are looting our businesses, as Council Vice President Jenkins had mentioned, are so vital to the, the health and, and vitality of our community. If they're looting those stores, if they're robbing people of uh, essential needs and services for themselves, their families, and certainly in this pandemic, their loved ones, um, if they are setting uh, buildings and structures on fire, which are harming uh, the safety of our elderly and our youth, um, I cannot allow that as chief. All right, that is the Minneapolis uh, police chief. His name is uh, Police Chief Arandando. 
Um, and by the way, you know, he was responding to the fact that there were no police presence at the locations during an evening interview. He said our main priority for our officers there are safety and those who are out there. And But he said and went on as, you know, a Target store, a liquor store, an auto zone store. We're all overcome by looters. And he said our main priority for our officers is the safety of those that are out there and that this cannot continue. And uh, I would urge anybody, if you want to protest, protest, protest peacefully. You know, it was there was a moment last night, Mike Tobin on the ground for the Fox News Channel on our show last night where he was interviewing a guy that and, and I'm a big concealed carry guy. I'm, I'm a big Second Amendment guy. Had a gun in his hip. He was a former serviceman, passionate, understood the issues here. And um, it just, when people see that, it ratchets up the heat in an environment like that for everybody. And um, I just I just hope that if people are going to go out tonight and they're going to protest, I hope they do it peacefully. Uh, it's clear from where the, the president's point of view is. The president has been very, very clear on this. He's not changed his position. He's expediting. You got the DOJ. You got the FBI. The president was very clear. He wants this investigated. He sent his thoughts, his prayers to the family of Mr. Floyd. And um, he's now saying that the FBI is going to have an investigation. The DOJ, Department of Justice, is going to have an investigation. Civil Rights Division will be involved. And uh, based on the firings and based on what's happening, I would assume that that will happen probably in pretty short order. I think that I, I don't see any rational justification for what we witnessed on that video. And Dan Bongino, I think, said it best. And that is that, you know, he was taught in the academy, all the people that I know that are in law enforcement, once somebody stops resisting, they're not involved in resisting arrest in any way, once they're handcuffed, that fight is over. When And the adults in the room always have to be the police officers. But even that said... I didn't see any resisting of arrest whatsoever. You know, and you, then you think of, well, well, what was this all about? It was about a, a $20, what they believed to be a $20 uh, bill that was forged. You know, where is context perspective here? I'm not justifying crime. Criminals must be prosecuted. If he was guilty, okay. It did not rise to a level that we witnessed on this camera at all. Period. End of sentence. All right, let's go to our uh, busy phones here. Uh, let's say hi to Tanya. She's in North Carolina. Tanya, hi, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Hey there, how are you? It's so great to get through and talk to you. I'm good. Oh, I love y'all so much. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're making our day. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. Um, I just wanted to call and comment on all the things you all were talking about regarding the riots and stuff. I think it's, I think it's awful what happened to that poor man. My heart goes out to the family in that. And when I see the video, it fills me with disgust. It's almost like a smirk or something on his face. It just sets me on fire because the man was pleading and he should have stopped. And I was listening to Dan Bongino a little bit ago and the stuff that he was saying. And it just, it's, the, the, it's really The man sad. was subdued. He submitted. I mean, I know, he, he did. I, there was there was no need for any more use of any physical force at that moment not and it went on no. and on and on for minutes exactly he showed uh, that i mean it's no mercy. it's horrible to watch horrible it is and it gives other cops you know as dan was saying previously a bad name in that because they're not all bad obviously but it does it just it just infuriates me it was just it, it was horrible it should have never happened it should have never got that far 
no way, shape, or form. I was reading about the feller's um, history and stuff. He was a good man. He was yep. he was doing right. He was getting his, his life together. He was a godly man. And it's just it's just really sad. And I just feel so sorry for everyone. And the looting and stuff, that's not going to solve anything, obviously, because they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot because stuff just got opened and, you know, going about life again. But it's just very unfortunate. Very it's, unfortunate. It's sad. And you know what? You know, the president would end his rallies with, we are one great American family. You know, we are yes, one we people. Are. You know, we, we are. And, and there's got to be, we've been talking a lot about this now for three plus years, equal justice under the law, equal application of our laws. Absolutely. And it, I, I it, absolutely. it is, and, 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 you know, and it just, it, it fries me because I know cops. I can't tell you after the show last night how many cops got in touch with me and said, thanks for saying it. Because it needed to be said, and that th- this guy is giving us a bad name. Comey, Strzok, McCabe, Page, the whole bunch of them, they gave the FBI a really bad name. You know, I tell the story that when Joe DeGeneva, you know, one night on the show, used the term, I flinched, dirty cops. Now, we knew a lot had gone on by that point, but I still flinched. Because, you know, you want to believe that the officers, all of them, can be trusted, that we, we give them, we empower them to protect and serve. You know, they are the, the, the line of defense for any community in law and order. It's a hard job they've got. And then people see videos like this, and there are some people will say, well, these are all cops. It's not all cops. Thank God. We wouldn't survive as a society if, if this was all cops. And the damage that is done is real, which is why in the FBI case, I'm like, Director Ray, where are you? In this particular case, they look, these things usually take a long time. Very quickly, they looked at it. There's no justification. He, he's fired and the guys that were with him are fired. And, and I have to ask, what were they thinking? You know, where were they? The one guy was standing right there. I'm like, why didn't you say, oh, back off. Let's put him in the car. I, I, just, I can't understand it. It is, and knowing the neck area as as well as I know it, and and train in in self defense and situational uh, self defense in particular, and a, a variety eclectic blend of arts, you just you, you only go for a neck if you want to really hurt somebody. You got to be so careful around a neck. Now, for example, a headlock is different than a chokehold. You can start getting technical, etc. This is full on body weight force right on the man's neck with his head pinned to the pavement. And it is like, in all honesty, how Mr. Floyd survived that long is a miracle. Why nobody stopped this, I cannot understand it. It's a human life, a human being, a fellow American. I don't get it. He's not, there's, there's no reason for this to have happened. None whatsoever. None. Somebody should have intervened. Somebody, some, somebody should have done something. This should not have happened. Never, never should have happened. It shouldn't have got that far. There's no, it's just, it's just really, really, really blows me away. I'll tell you, you know, just stand around time. Let's, and let's, let's, let's come together. You know, I know everybody, you know, I mean, this country is very divided politically. Let's, we cannot, but we can still remember one thing. We're all Americans. We're all in this together. And I think Dan Bongino's point, too, about, you know, hey, what if it's your kid that you're looking at in that video? Okay, case closed. You know, checkmate. It's over. Nobody wants that to happen to a human. This is a fellow human being. 
Anyway, thank you, Tanya. Appreciate it. Memphis, Tennessee. Rod is next. Rod, how are you? Glad you called. Doing well, man. Thanks for having me, Sean. First time Thank you, sir. Glad you called. Uh, um, if you don't mind, man, I'd like to say um, in, in the 2016 election, man, I was actually talked out of voting for Donald Trump. And I'm African-American. I'm 29 years old from Memphis. And I was I was someone, you know, I want you to show me what you're going to do. So CNN started cutting off his interviews, cutting off his speeches. And I started watching Fox News for the first time in my life. And I have come to the conclusion, you have the only channel that tells the truth on TV. And lo and behold, I'm listening to your radio stations. I'm listening to Mark Levin. And I've never been more educated in my life about politics from the Democrat Party. I just want to say thank you. Well, Rod, first of all, thank you, because you give all of us, you know, Rush, me, Mark, everybody, and you give us this this honor, this microphone. You know, I um, I have an, uh, I have the greatest team in radio and TV. Everybody works so hard. And I'll tell you what our goal is. You know, we we dig deep and we try to get to the 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 truth. We, we you know, it's amazing to me that there's wide open space in media today and all it is is for truth telling. And mm-hmm. it's amazing that I watch it's like a group think psychosis that has taken over everybody in the media, print media, you know, these fake news cable channels that are nothing but liberal talk shows and opinion shows all day long, every second minute hour of the day hating Donald Trump. They miss the biggest abuse of power corruption scandal in history. Uh, they go with hoaxes and and conspiracy theories, and they don't apologize after they got it wrong. Can you imagine? And they think we're stupid. They're well, stupid. they think we're stupid. And I'm a Democrat, so I feel like they're making my people stupid. Like, what is going on here? Like, we know well, you don't sound like a Democrat anymore. What did you think of, of Biden's recent comments? And by the way, he's had even more comments. But what did you, you know, think of his recent comments when he was on Charlemagne show? I, I really, you know, I wasn't offended. I'm not one of these tough case to get offended i'm a college football coach you know i'm a pretty tough guy but also I where do you where, what where do you coach if you coach if you don't a, mind telling I, us i coach at a small college in um in west virginia um you know it's kind of hard to speak out these days especially if you're black so like i don't say anything on social media or anything because the left will persecute you and i've never seen this in my life so i don't i don't really speak out about things like that politics online or over there yeah. <laughs> You know, one thing I was going to say to you, you know, a good coach, good teacher, a good minister, anybody is worth their weight in gold. You know, you have no idea the impact you can have on on young men, in this case, I assume, playing football and helping them grow into adulthood. There are so many traps, you know, in society that they can fall into and ruin their lives. Drugs being the obvious one, alcoholism being another one. Uh, you know, these young kids having, you know, kids out of wedlock and, you know, literally, literally puts puts makes everything hard because, you know, maybe they didn't get the they need to be guided. They need to be taught. They need examples. They need people like you that can motivate them to be their better selves. If and, you don't mind me saying, yeah. if you don't mind me saying, I had, I had a coach. His name is Nick Owens. He's from yeah. high school. He was. He's an older, he's an older white guy, and you know I was always a curious guy. I'm kind of old school, and I always like to be around older gentlemen to learn, and get wisdom. And he was a he was a guy that kind of took me under his wing, but I always believed in myself. And 
Sean, every every goal I've set for myself since I was 16, I've achieved so far. Play college football, Division One, coaching college football. I don't have any kids. Um, haven't had any criminal history or anything. And just chasing the dream. So it, you know I, what? Had and someone, I had someone to help me stay out of trouble, but I always believed in myself. Yeah, look, everybody can use a guiding hand or a hand up. Um, good, solid example, living a good life, being a good example as, as best you can be, knowing that we're, we're all flawed creatures. Um, but listen, it was really nice to meet you, Rod. I'm glad you called. God bless you. I hope your team has a great season. I hope you get to play this season. I think you will be able to. I think uh, Robert Kraft was clear the NFL is on track to uh, open up on time this, uh, this fall, which we're all looking forward to. And uh, I wish you all the best. Okay, sir? All right, man. Appreciate you. All right. Appreciate you, sir. All right. That's going to wrap things up for today. We'll be monitoring tonight the events, whatever unfolds in in Minneapolis. I hope it's peaceful protesting, uh, but we'll be we'll be on the ground. We'll be monitoring Dan Mangino, Geraldo, uh, Bernie Carrick. Uh, Also, we have an investigative report. Lawrence Jones talks to family members that lost loved ones in New York nursing homes and they're they're more than teed off. Mark Cuban is back tonight. Also, Senator Cotton and much more. 9 Eastern Hannity on Fox. The latest news all across the board. We'll see you tonight and back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.